Is it best to let God have His way with us? Yeah, that's true. Even when you read in the Bible and you read there sometimes when God needs an instrument for His work and it's not necessarily one that might favor us from a humanistic standpoint, it is still best for God to have His way with us. Even though the Israelites, uh, the Jews at the time, uh, wandered through the wilderness, uh, it was best to be with God in the wilderness and let God have His way. It's always better for God to have His way with us. Uh, it is good to see you here this evening. Those who are online, those of you who are present, praise God and thank you for your attendance tonight. Let's please go together to God in a word of prayer. Our gracious and kind, wonderful, magnificent Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for allowing us this opportunity Another moment in time, Lord God, knowing that that soon will be the day that you come to take us home. While we are here, please bless us in our worship and accept our worship that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Thank you, Lord God, for the angels rejoicing over those who repent. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to save those who are lost, those who are willing to surrender to your will. Thank you, Lord God, for yet another opportunity and another day. And thank you most of all for Jesus, for it is through him and your love that the world is saved. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. So we are continuing to validate, if you will, or think about the canon of the Bible. Uh, And so uh, two weeks ago we we saw Moses and we validated Moses. Moses is a very good spot to start. People say they don't really know if they believe in Jesus. Then start with Moses and go from Moses to Jesus. Because Moses is very, very difficult to um, dispute, if you will, or debate about as far as a human being living on the face of the earth. So if they have a problem believing in Jesus, uh, go to Moses. And from Moses, go to Jesus. And, and Jesus, the Godhead. And I mean, that's a, it's a great idea, a great opportunity to study but now we're talking about not necessarily validating Jesus and uh, in regards to his existence, but rather validating Jesus and validating Moses so we can get the whole Bible validating itself within itself without the need of human beings. So we begin with what Moses said in Acts chapter 3 and verse 22. Moses said, The Lord God shall raise up for you a prophet like from me, from your brethren, to him You shall give heed in everything he says to you. And it shall be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. So Moses, turn back to Exodus, please, chapter 4. Again, we read this last week. I want to read it with a different idea uh, this week. Moses speaks of Jesus. Both Moses and Jesus had spokesmen, right? who went out and carried that message even further. Moses, uh, we'll begin at verse 10. Uh, The Bible says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes him dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I? The Lord, now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever thou will. 
Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, Is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. And you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people. And it shall come about that he shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be as God to him. And so Moses had Aaron as his spokesman. And Jesus, you know, Matthew 28, uh, we'll go there in verse 18. He had the apostles whom he chose uh, of his own, and he gave them a commission. And they continued to carry the message of God out to a lost and dying world. In verse 18, uh, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And, lo, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. So they both had spokesmen. Galatians chapter 3, please, in verse 19. Who's the mediator? Well, we know it's Jesus, right? Jesus is our mediator. Moses also was a mediator. Verse 19, the Bible says, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. So not only has the word come, if you will, the law came with a mediator, but also Moses and Jesus are mediators. First uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, to make it really simple, uh, the Bible tells us there, For there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men. The man, Jesus, or Christ Jesus. Jesus is the mediator for humanity. In Exodus chapter 20, we read this this morning. Um, when when the people saw the, the lightning flash and the thunder after God gave the law of Moses, in Exodus chapter 20, the people were afraid of God and did not want God to speak to them. And so they asked Moses to be the mediator. Exodus 20, beginning at verse 18. And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us lest we die. Exodus 16, please. Exodus chapter 16. You know that bread that came down from heaven. The Bible tells us, if you will, that Moses provided that bread. We know the bread came from God. But the idea that both Jesus and Moses supplied bread for the people. Exodus 16 and verse 15. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And so this bread came down from heaven. And Israel, turn to John please, chapter 6. The Jews remembered. They remembered, oh yeah, Moses provided this bread. And Jesus expounds on this bread in John chapter 6 and gives us more information about that particular time, which is undeniable, right? John 6, beginning at verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus therefore said to them, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 48. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Both of them had to be believed on. You had to believe it, Moses. That God spoke to Moses. Exodus chapter 4. Imagine this was a an uprising. And um, the people were going to go against Egypt. And they were going to go to Pharaoh and, and listen to Moses. And, and be freed and delivered. And they were fearful. So as God spoke to Moses and Moses, I need you to go tell the people that I came to you, I spoke to you. And Moses' concern was, what if they don't believe that you came to me? What if they don't believe that I am who you said or claim that I am to be? Beginning at verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to, to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, appeared or has appeared to you so they had to be believed they had to believe that Moses was whom God said he was the deliverer of the people John 3 here's a problem the world has the world struggles with believing in Jesus Christ they struggle with what thus saith the Lord they struggle with God but in John 3 and verse 16 the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. You have to believe in Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 36, it goes on to say, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The world, all, have to believe in Jesus. Think about how sad that is. Now, what I mean by that is, there's a lot of folks going to die lost. That's sad. There are a lot of people who don't believe in Jesus. There are a lot of folks who deny the Christ, the Messiah. It's a sad day coming, brethren. Got a lot of work to do. John 8 and verse 24. Jesus himself says, again, I said therefore to you that you shall die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Not just that he was a man who lived on the earth, but that Jesus Christ is God, the Son, co-equal, co-substantial, co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. You've got to believe that. We have to believe that. We believe that by faith, but we believe that by the faith that God has given to us based on the evidence that God has given to us. Hebrews chapter 3. Both Moses and Jesus led people to the promise rest. Now Hebrews uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4 deal with this, this promise rest. And that Moses never actually gave them the rest. So the rest that uh, Hebrews 4 is talking about is heaven's rest. 
And, but Hebrews 3 goes on and kind of sets this whole idea up. And I want to go back and look, if you will, at verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly Father, calling, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just as much the builder of the house has more glory, rather more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Down to verse 16, please. For who provoked him when they heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And it goes on to talk about Moses leading the people out to this promised land. Right? Canaan. We know that Canaan was Abraham leading them down. We know Moses took them out of the promised land. Or out of Egypt, rather, into the promised land. He was the leader of that, that mission for God. Jesus gave us the true rest. So that was a, a rest, if you will, on earth. But Jesus, Revelation, please, chapter uh, 14, gave us the true rest who leads us out of this place, out of this land, to a true promised rest. The rest that Moses led them to was, was even though it's the rest of God, if you will, it's not a rest like God. We receive a rest like God. What I mean by that is the Bible tells us that, that Moses led them and they, and they let, they, they came to the, the Sabbath day on Saturday and then they rested on that day, but they went back to work. Right? It's all Hebrews 3 and 4. They went back to work on Sunday. When we rest, we'll rest as God rested. When we leave here, we don't go back to work. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Our rest is a heavenly rest that only comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. Revelation chapter 15, 14, rather, and verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds Follow with them. And what a blessing it is when someone says, hey, you know, I'm getting tired. Keep working till you die. Because, you know, there's only a hundred years we're going to live on this earth anyway. Right? And you get to rest for an eternity. So just keep on going. Right? Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit uh, working for the Lord. Turn back to Exodus chapter 15. As, as God delivered Israel, uh, the Jews, and the world from Egyptian bondage, and they went off into... Uh, later on, this this rest, both Jesus and Moses united in singing a song of praise for the mighty works of our God. That all of Israel and even all the world sang. Exodus 15 and verse 1. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted, the horse and its rider he is hurled into the sea, and the song goes on, and it continues to give praise and honor and glory to God. Remember, the topic is that God, God will bring a, a prophet like Moses, and it can be no one else but Jesus Christ. And all of these facts are proving without a shadow of a doubt that no one else can be this man, this fulfillment of this prophecy, except the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that important? 
Because there are so many religious groups today who claim that their leader is that prophet, and yet they have no biblical examples, no biblical proof. They have nothing. But the Bible has given us so much evidence as to who Jesus Christ is. So now, they sing this song. Now, go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 15. In Revelation, because of the greatness of Jesus Christ and the great victory in our Lord, we find they, don't, they not only re- refer back to the song of Moses, but they also sing the song of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true are thy ways, thou King of the nations. And so both were deliverers, and through their deliverance, and after the deliverance, there was a great song that they sang to our God, the mighty works of God that he has done in their lives. Both of them... Um, Deuteronomy 34, please. Both of them, both Moses and Jesus Christ, had special events, even, even in their deaths, right? Even in their deaths, there were these, these special events that happened that came from the Father. That's not happened to anyone else, right? Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he, the Father, God, the Godhead, buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows his burial place to this day. And you know when you're reading Jude, remember Jude says that there was a fight about the body of Moses. Satan wanted that body of Moses. But God buried it in such a way, in such a place that not even, not even Satan knew where it was or knows where it is. So through the New Testament, Jesus, John 20, Jesus Christ, special events at the death of the the Savior of the world. John 20, beginning at verse 4. And the two were running together, Peter and John. And the other disciples ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter therefore also came following him and into the tomb. And he beheld the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciples who had first come to the tomb entered then also And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. And then they both had a baptism. A baptism is, uh, let's turn back to Exodus please, uh, chapter 14. Baptism is, is not this, this new uh, teaching. You know, people treat it like, you know, when they, Tell us that is, baptism is not essential uh, to salvation. And you, you say, have you read your Bible? I mean, it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's not brand new. It's like everything else. It, it, the New Testament is completed because of the Old Testament. They go together. They fit together like a, like a kid glove. And so, so both, both had to be baptized, had to have this baptism by faith, which this is what it does. It provides, uh, if you will, a transition from bondage to freedom. 
right? From bondage. Now, theirs was physical, a physical bondage to a freedom with a spiritual connection. And ours is a spiritual bondage to a spiritual freedom with the connection in Christ Jesus our Lord. Exodus 14, beginning at verse 9. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots and Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them, camping by the sea beside Peharioth in front of Baal-Ziphon. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt? that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? And they had to cross the Red Sea. Hebrews 11, please. In verse 29. They had to cross the Red Sea. But you got to remember that the sea dried up in front of them, right? It was congealed, if you will. It lifted up and became a wall on both sides. And then Moses said, come on, folks, let's go down into the depths of the sea and walk across on dry ground. And what did that take? It took faith, right? It took faith to go in there. So Hebrews 11 is part of the the faith chapter. In verse 29, uh, the Bible says, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. And though they were, excuse me, as though they were passing through dry land in the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. So by faith, they went down into, watch baptism, they went down into the water and the cloud covered them. They were totally immersed, weren't they? And you might say, well, that, that it doesn't say, turn to 1 Corinthians 10. It doesn't say they were baptized. And I would ask the same question to our, our denominational friends. Have you not read the Bible? <laughs> of course it says that they were baptized. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 2. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So notice the cloud above, which is water, the water on both sides congealed and they passed through on dry ground. They were baptized. Baptism is a transition, right? From, from, if you will, from one life to another, from freedom uh, from bondage, rather, to freedom. And in Christ, it is a salvation that is brought to us, a, a rescue from God, if you will. Romans chapter 6, as they were buried and baptized, as uh, was brought out on Wednesday night, my brother uh, Danny, that we too go through this same idea, this death, this burial, and this resurrection. We're totally immersed. There's no difference. It's all the same. The connection of the Bible is real. It's incredible, Right? And we believe the book. When someone says, again, when you're studying and someone says, I know this is a fear sometimes that we have, you know, people are going to say, we believe the Bible so far as it's translated properly. Just ask them, show me where it's not translated properly. Just show me one. Just show me one verse. Show me where. And they will not be able to, trust me. Because the Bible is totally connected. Regarding baptism. I know they say that baptism is not essential to salvation. So if they didn't cross the Red Sea, what would have happened to them? Right? Yeah, they would have died. The Egyptians would have killed them on their way through. Right? 
It was a transition. It's the same thing. Baptism is absolutely, positively, without a shadow of a doubt, essential to salvation. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? That's important. We have to die like he died. And then be raised as he himself was raised. Salvation has truly been brought down. And so the connections of Jesus with Moses. When you when you come to Jesus, we could talk about the Godhead, but we're not talking about the Godhead. We're talking about the book, see? The holy book divine where we're going to show, Lord willing, in this next uh, lesson or two, depending on how, what, it, what it takes, we're going to go through Genesis to Revelation, and I'm going to show you all the books validated, not by man, but by God. Now we have Moses. This is really important. We're going to close in Galatians chapter 3. We have Moses validated, unquestionable. We have Jesus Christ being motive, uh, being validated by Moses. Not that he needed that, but I figured since uh, we run into this issue in, in the streets that we would go ahead and add that as part of the uh, the lesson for this particular series. There's no question about the fact that the Word of God, the Bible, truly is the Word of God. And if it is, and since it is the Word of God, it can't be wrong. It's an absolute impossibility. Galatians chapter 3, baptism, verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to to the promise. It's simple, right? God made it simple. So what do we do then when we're out studying with people and they say to us that, well, um, I just don't, I just don't know that I can believe the Bible. What do you, how do you, how are we going to respond to that? You, you have to learn to do this and say this. Well, there's no question that the Bible is right. And I leave you in the hands of a merciful God. Shake out the dust from your feet and move on. See, the burden of proof is not on us. It's beautiful. I've, you know, I learned that over all the years of you know, teaching Bible study and trying to prove everything to people. It's like, no, the burden of proof is not on me. The burden of proof is on you. to tell You're, you're saying that you don't believe this or that about the Word of God. I'm going to give you the verse in the Bible, or two or three or three hundred. I'm going to give you the verses in the Bible, and then I'm going to leave it to you. And if you decide you still don't want to believe in God, that means to me there's probably nothing I can say. There's no scripture I can take you to to change your mind. Because you're not going to believe anyway. So all that we have in our power is the Word of God. We have nothing else. We have no power outside of the scripture. So as you're studying and teaching the Bible, just stick with the Bible. And if that's not good enough, shake off the dust from your feet and move on. There's absolutely nothing else we can do. The lesson is yours tonight. We uh, trust that something was said to just strengthen your faith. We will continue with the canon, Lord willing, next week of 
the Bible, looking into the Word of God, allowing it to validate itself as it does and as it has, that people might believe. Jesus says, these are so that you might believe. So we have the Scriptures, we have everything within the Scriptures, and we have our faith and our confidence in God. If you are not a child of God, we encourage you tonight to surrender to Him in the waters of baptism. If you are a child and you're struggling, and we can help in any way, please make it known while we stand in just a moment and sing a song of invitation. God bless you and thank you for your time.